listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White. Joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? Never better. Never, Never better, better, Jeff. I mean, look. I bet. Yeah. 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 Why would you complain, no. really? <laughs> no, exactly. The weather's nice. Yeah. You know, all the things Canadians like. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the weather's nice or it's not so nice, you still get to talk about it, which is the key for yeah. Canadians. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but, but look, no, today, uh, the topic of today's show, I, I just feel like we're going to be able to kind of, uh, if you will, kind of wring the towel of uh, this uh, topic a little bit. Like, uh, one of the things that I think happens uh, and marketers know, like every marketer on the planet, for the most part, wants to uh, look at integrating potentially more video into their mix, et cetera, or they at least have a hunch that it might be a good idea. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna just, uh, I know that since we're not recording a video today, um, our listeners won't see me roll my eyes when I say, we all have seen the you know crazy stats that everybody puts out there about how many minutes of video are consumed online. Frankly, I think that's a bit misguided. Just because people are consuming video online doesn't mean they want to consume your video online. Uh, so some of those, I think... It also means you have a very crowded marketplace for, what do they call them, eyeballs? Well, if it's a marketplace for video, then sure. But I mean, I think if you have good information, you can present it in a lot of different ways that it'll get consumed. But, um, but, but I guess where I'm going with that is I, you know, many, many manufacturing marketers are... are thinking, geez, you know, we'd like to do more. Um, we'd maybe like to figure out how we can even scale it in-house potentially or with the staff and team that we already have um, or, or or at least a minimal investment in some way. Uh, and they, everybody knows, oh, we've got video cameras on our iPhones or what have you. But then that's kind of where it falls down. And there's no real kind of like, okay, well, how do you action this strategy in a way that can actually begin to put some points on the board. So I'm hopeful that today's guests can uh, uh, dive into that with us today. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it as well. So joining us today is Jeff Long. Jeff is the owner of True Focus Media. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Jeff. Guys, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm glad you could be here. And I mean, we are talking about video. We don't record the video of our shows, but Jeff has put Carmen and I out of our misery when it comes to like, designing a set for his um for his recordings it it he has great lighting good contrast i like it jeff i i, I give it a 10 out of 10. <laughs> thank you i mean i did all this so just the two of you could appreciate this none of our listeners they're not allowed but just you you, you two guys can enjoy it i i, I feel like we're kind of like a, a baseball like a radio baseball announcer and we're trying to now give the visual to what's going on <laughs> <as well. laughs> we need to be better storytelling <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, look, um, uh, Jeff, why don't we kind of kick things underway by just tell us a bit about the firm and kind of what you've been up to, like kind of what makes you tick? Yeah, yeah. Thanks again for having me on. So uh, Jeff Long with True Focus Media, and I started the company in 2003. So we've been around for uh, a couple minutes now and uh, based here in Ohio. So work with a lot of manufacturing and industrial companies here in the Midwest, but beyond. Uh, and when I created the company, I mean, we were just a video marketing company. We didn't do the the website design or, or some of the e-learning projects that we do now. But I mean, that was actually before YouTube was a thing. 
you know, we were uh, kind of DVDs were kind of the new thing, right? So we go around and, and make these videos and, and DVD delivery was part of one of the distribution strategies. That was kind of the hot new thing, uh, which is funny to look back on, but it's oh, been, man, I'm just, you're just reminding me and I hate to interrupt, but you're reminding me of those DVD business cards. Yes. Remember those things? Like oh, yeah. they didn't fit in any right. kind of DVD player unless it had a spindle. Otherwise they would just jam up. But that it, was video. But they were a good idea, apparently. <laughs> yeah. You were yeah. you were differentiating yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was I think it was the cool factor, right? You know, which yeah. which uh, even now I think some companies go more after the the cool factor than maybe the the content factor or the the customer centric factor, uh, which we can talk about later. Um and so yeah, when when we were just kind of doing the video stuff, uh, you know, I had two partners at the time and, um, we would just kind of listen to what our, our clients wanted. Right. So they say, Hey, Jeff, can you do this? Can we, you know, put this video on our website or, or, you know, do this type of marketing? We would as much as possible accommodate, you know, I think in marketing, it's a lot of experimentation. It's a lot of trial and error, finding out what works, what the, uh, companies want and go from there. And that's one of, uh, the reasons why I've been successful these past 19 years. And uh, I'm assuming that iteration is what led you to this notion of creating kind of value uh, via video in, uh, shall we say, bite-sized snippets? Would that be accurate? Exactly. And, and, and that's a good way to look at it is, um, you know, my, my parents are both teachers, lifelong educators. Uh, back when I was in high school, I considered going into secondary education. I love teaching, training, uh, but... Uh, you know, I, I didn't go that route for obvious, uh, obviously. Uh, and then I did a bunch of corporate training with, with Lowe's. So I got to go all across the country. Um, and, uh, and in, uh, uh Canada as well, I got to go to Hawaii, Alaska, some fun places, some boring places. So I look at video content, not as how to wow people, right? We talked about those old school DVD business cards. That was kind of the wow factor. I look at it more as how can we educate people with, like you said, that bite-sized content. And that's really what I'm seeing is, is becoming expected by our, uh, by our customers, buyers, distributors, anybody that touches, you know, these products that our companies are working with. All right, well, let's, uh, let's peel that back a bit. I mean, I guess when you're working with a, with a B2B uh, manufacturing organization, uh, I know that that's, that's a, it's a pretty broad uh, category if, if it's a category at all. But um, I guess what kind of, um, what shape do these types of uh, programs take? Like what, a, uh, how are they taking advantage of this and, and how is it coming to life for their customers? Yeah. So, so let me kind of tell you a story of maybe why I created this video value bombs service. And, and my goal here today on your, your show is really to give the listener some strategies, tips, and tools so that if they have the, the personnel and house that they can do it themselves, right? That's kind of the goal is to, to uh, give back on this. So it, it really got me thinking is I, I try to look back at my career. I look back at what's working. I look at other industries and you know, like I said, I've been doing video for 19 years and we get a lot of requests for uh, companies to do these big about us videos. So again, the wow factor. And I think those are fine. I think those are great. But let's be honest, how, how do you tie ROI to a about us video? It, it's really hard. And so that was one key factor. 
And then the other key factor is just asking uh, both my clients and, and people, you know, smart people like you guys and others like, okay, when you're looking for a product, um, you know, does a company history video or about us video or whatever, does that really move the needle in your buying decision? And I found that it really didn't a whole lot. Now, I think there's a time and a place for these wow factors. You know, when you're rolling out a big product or a, a trade show and you're trying to impress people, totally get that. So I don't want to discourage people, but a lot of times companies, that's kind of all they thought about with video is, hey, we need to, we need to talk about ourselves and that's going to somehow impress somebody so much that they're going to buy from us. And again, that could happen. So I was thinking, okay, what's the other side of that coin? Well, being kind of this educator-based marketing guy that I am, what value can we create that will be so beneficial that that potential buyer, customer, whoever they are, would you know buy the products from this company? So that's kind of the genesis of this video value bombs. Is it's more customer centric. What's the customer uh, wanting to know? Asking what problems are they trying to solve, and then let's create a a solution around those uh, things that they're wondering. So is this typically like um, uh, product use cases? Uh, yes. Uh, things of that nature? Or are we doing things like even addressing like buying objections or? It, it's all of those. That's the beauty, right? Like, uh, you know, we have a content roadmap of, okay, you know, company X or Y or Z. Here's what we recommend, you know, month one, month two, et cetera. But let's slow down. What's already working? So I always ask people, okay, let's look at your top blog post. Maybe you do have existing videos, white paper, spec sheets, maybe some of your top downloads. Um, what's working? So I call those your unicorns. Let's look at your unicorns that are outperforming your other content. And let's start creating more short video content around your unicorns. So that's one successful strategy. Uh, the other, like you mentioned, is common questions that your customers have. So Ask each of your departments, you know, from buying to customer service to sales to all of it, what are, you know, what are these top questions that people are asking and make a short video on each one, put it online and you're going to capture some of that content. And now you're replicating yourself 24-7. Uh, Jeff, what are you doing from a uh, distribution point of view? I mean, we all know of kind of LinkedIn or not LinkedIn, but I guess LinkedIn and you know YouTube and then some of the other social channels. But what, how are you shaping where you're putting these, and and how are you helping your your clients decide where to go? Yeah, so it's a couple of things. First, like I'll start big, and then we'll kind of narrow down. So first of all, I have a, like a list of about forty different places that a company can consider posting these videos every month. And I say consider because I never want to overwhelm people, right? I don't think it's, I mean, to a sense, it is a shotgun approach, but let's start with like the top, the top couple that makes sense, right? So of course your website and YouTube and LinkedIn, those are kind of the top three that I recommend, but even places like your email signature, right? If, if your company has, you know, 50, hundred plus, you know, a thousand employees, whatever that is, maybe some of your key executives have a little blurb in their uh, email signature. Hey, check out our latest video value bomb where we answer your top questions or whatever that might be. Um, or a lot of manufacturers and, and B2B companies have either email newsletters or some type of e-blast, right? So well, again, why not have a little blurb there that promotes some of these video value bombs that you're putting out? So all that to say, we look at, you know, where are your ideal customers already? Uh, what are some opportunities that you're 
competitors aren't taking advantage of. And we strategically uh, map out distribution channels based on that. I want to kind of, um, kind of dig into that notion of uh, what works and what doesn't a little bit, just simply because I think what one thing that kind of can sometimes frustrate uh, uh, manufacturing marketers is that, uh, you know, frankly, it's the hardworking content that actually works. It's the spec sheets. It's the that that gritty some you know that doesn't have necessarily much creative writing flair requirement it, yeah. it, it has a technical accuracy certainly is required is, is does that square with your experience as well that the that often it's that that hard working and maybe even a little boring content that seems tends to be the the most consumed yeah, for B2B, uh, industrial, manufacturing, for sure. You know, a lot of the engineers are are consuming that content. Um, but we also have to look at, um, you know, who the decision makers are, of course, but also who the influencers are. So maybe it is that in engineer that's influencing uh, the executive. Maybe it's somebody on the shop floor. Maybe it's, say, who knows? So, yeah, I think some of these more uh, dry pieces of content are valuable. I don't want to say they're not. But we just look at most people, and I've asked a, a wide range of people, most people would rather consume a video, maybe even before they read that white paper, spec sheet, whatever. So maybe it's a both and uh, versus replacing, you know, so just test that out. And I've had some people say, Jeff, I'd much rather read that spec sheet, that white paper, that whatever. Okay, that's fine. Uh, you know, it, to me, this is not a, a one size fits all. Yeah, you know, I think that's just the interesting kind of juxtaposition of it all is that I think sometimes uh, manufacturing marketers look at it and say, you know, the content that really pulls is this technical, very specific information. And they maybe are thinking in their mind that video is where I go when I'm looking to add a little sizzle to the steak. I'm looking to add a little sex to this. Um, uh, so it kind of, in some ways, I'm kind of wondering if that makes us look past video opportunities that may be in some ways the most impactful. Like, how do you take that? I mean, it's not about taking hardworking, what others might think is boring content and making it sexy, but it's like, how do you actually use video just to make that hardworking content work even harder? And I don't get a sense that a lot of people are really knocking on that door. I don't know. What do you guys think? One, one kind of further to that that I would have is like, you know, is there an opportunity when making something that is just hardworking, you know, air quotes, boring content, sexier through different types of media like video? Like, is there an opportunity to do that? I guess what I'm saying is, is that I'm not even sure that we want to make it sexier through video. I'm more like saying, could we just, just it shouldn't, video shouldn't be just the let's make it sexier tool. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's like, you know. <laughs> kind of interesting to imagine the logo bigger <laughs> yeah. so yeah i think this i love this discussion and and i found that you know I, i'm trying to think here to to quantify this i'll say most because that's that's pretty nebulous right most companies i've worked with have some technical documents white papers whatever we want to call them but they probably don't have enough. And, and the reason I say that is um, one of the stats I love is uh, Gardner Research recently came out and said that 72% of B2B buyers will fully do their research online before reaching out to a salesperson. 
So I always ask the companies I work with, you know, do you have enough content that your ideal customers will consume before reaching out to sales or whoever? Uh, so again, I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a, a multitude of content. I think uh, younger demographics as millennials, you know, uh, become of age and, and become more dec uh, decision makers and influencers. They're expecting more video content. Um, so, I, you know, one way around that is to interview engineers or, or these key people that have a lot of this technical know-how. That way, again, it's kind of this both and, right? So we can interview them on, you know, something like this or Zoom, um, create the article with them, as well as that video spruce up the video a little bit to make it a little more engaging. Again, we're not trying to like, uh, you know, make it some TikTok video. It's, it's engaging, but it's not going to, you know, uh, get millions of views. Potentially might, but probably not. And then you have both. And I think that's, you know, that's one benefit of creating content is the both. That's a key word is both. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. Of course. I'm curious, what are you seeing um, inside of uh, marketing organizations that are taking this work on uh, internally? Um, are they... You know, everybody likes to talk about the democratization of uh, being able to, you know, have video cameras in your pockets, et cetera. I guess are are, are you seeing a lot of that, or uh, uh, marketing teams really taking on that kind of DIY type of video, or um, some for sure? There's some, you know, and and specifically with uh, more industrial or these manufacturing companies. Yes, there are these industry leaders. And it's easy to, say, easy to say, well, they have the budget for that or the, the personnel to do that. Well, they had to have the budget allocated, right? They had to have the people dedicated. You got to start somewhere. So yes, there are some. However, I think, and I mean, that's why I created this video value bomb service was to, to either do it for people or teach them how. But again, I think the listener, you know, we can encourage them to do it on their own. A lot of it is finding those key topics, common questions, um, how do we interview our salespeople, our engineers, our executives, and get the information that's in their head, or maybe it's on a blog post, and get that into something a little more engaging, which might be a short, uh, you know, short video series on those topics. I think it, you know, I think it's great, and and it makes a ton of sense to be looking for those opportunities and what content is already resonating, and using that as a basis for your at least your initial content calendar. You may find you want to go elsewhere after you've sort of explored all those ideas. But, you know, as Carmen's mentioning, you know, the democratization of content and everyone having a, you know, a 4K video camera in their pocket and, you know, a full studio and not even really realizing it or taking advantage of it. What do they do next? Because I think a lot of people sort of feel, you know, oh, I, I can do this with my phone, but it's going to be a lo really low budget feeling, or I'm going to have to spend a whole bunch of money to set up something I don't really understand how to use. Like, how do you, how do you help people decide where to go with that? Because it's a continuum. It, it really is. And I think one of the benefits of YouTube and especially now, you know, Instagram and TikTok and all the other, uh, you know, video 
options out there is, you know, when I started, a company had to have premium level content, high quality. Every word had to be scripted and perfect. Every shot had to be perfect. And again, there's a time and a place for that, 100%. But uh, more of us expect almost that, like you mentioned, Jeff, that authenticity in content. So yeah, we do have the capability of almost doing our own podcasts on our phone or our own videos on our phones or other, you know, there's, there's Zoom and other platforms, but most companies aren't still doing that. Even though it's simple, even though it's in our hands, in our pockets, on our computer, it's still not happening as fast as, as uh, you know, other industries um, are, are latching on. And so I think that excites me. I think that's where the opportunities are. So it's like, okay, you know, for these manufacturing companies, many are doing this. Most are not, but the industry leaders that are doing it, I mean, one of the reasons are, you know, the industry leaders, of course, they're high quality products and, and people and, you know, that's the cornerstone, but, you know, they're getting that attention, the eyeballs, the engagement, partly because they have a lot of video content. So, you know, a lot of it is kind of uh, uh, preaching, uh, you know, uh, to the masses, like in these podcasts, right? It's trying to encourage people, you know, you can do it. You can do it yourself. You can hire, you know, a um, expert to do it or whatever, but try to get in the game. And that's my encouragement. Anything you do and start out with, it's going to be kind of crappy, let's be honest. So get that out of the way, you know, get your get your reps in and it'll get better. It's interesting, though, to your point. I mean, it's not for a lack of technology. It's not for a lack of options. It's not for a lack of access. And but yeah, it's still, you know, not particularly common in many categories. So what does, what's the biggest thing that stands in the way then? Because I mean, it's like, I mean, uh, video doesn't need a lot of PR. Like people, I mean, my goodness, there's lots of chat about how great video is for marketers, right? <laughs> um, Eight out of 10 up, um, sessions at Inbound this year are about video probably. Yeah, probably. So it's like, well, so what What do you think stands in the way of, uh, in, you know, internal marketing organizations uh, getting more serious about this? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, a lot of the companies I work, even some of the, the larger companies, um, is they have a lot of mandates of, of different content they're trying to create. They have hundreds or thousands of products and SKUs they're trying to represent or sell or, or distribute, whatever. So there's just a lot of noise, right? And so it's, it's trying to figure out, do we write blog articles or do we do social or video or pod? Like, what what do we do? And again, I think it's, you know, experimentation. Um, I think with videos, you know, you, you can create articles out of videos. So it's kind of a two for one. I, I talk a lot about content multiplication. So once you have a video, you know, you can have an article, you can have some um, uh, graphics that represent some of that, that article. So a lot of it's um, getting started, but I find that these companies are overwhelmed. And so, yeah, they could do it. They just don't have the, the time expertise or, or desire maybe sometimes, you know, they feel intimidated. <clears throat> it, it can feel awkward to be in front of the camera. E even I feel that at times I have to kind of amp up, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and that's normal. So there, there's a lot of factors. It's, that's a good question. Yeah. I'm kind of curious. I think it's a, my, my hunch is that fear of failure is playing a bigger role than we. Is that because people just don't like to see themselves on camera other than Instagram influencers? I, yeah. yeah, I think. And, and I, th one of the, one of the bone, uh, benefits or, or some is with sales, right? A lot of salespeople, you know, it, 
their commissions are tied to their job a lot of times. So they are more incentivized to be on camera. Plus they're used to, you know, kind of speaking and, and uh, having excitement and other things. So they typically are more inclined to be, and I hate, I hate to use the word influencer. I, I, I usually tell people, Hey, showcase your expertise. Cause we all have expertise. Why not showcase it? But most people are intimidated to turn on that camera, whatever the camera looks like and, and talk. And, and lastly, to me, that's one of the benefits of education-focused marketing, right? I, I don't have to worry about speaking to perfection. I'm going to say a lot of ums and ahs and stumble, but I can teach people. I can showcase my expertise, and that's a value, not a perfect delivery because I'm going to stumble every time. Yeah, I think that's a great advice to actually coach people through that fear of failure. Um, uh, I don't know. That, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Eh? I I mean, the fear of public speaking is uh, ubiquitous, <laughs> uh, and uh, and this is, I think, an extension of that. Also, I mean, um, part for for smaller marketing teams, having that idea sometimes means the VP of marketing thinking that's going to be me on camera, and therefore that means the you know my potential career failure could be televised. Um, uh, what uh, I guess. That's an interesting thought. When you when, when a country a company is starting to to really uh, double down to increase their video production, um, how much risk do you think there is in the who you choose? Um, I was thinking about well, you know, we just live in a weird time where anybody ends up in a, you know some charged with X, Y, or Z, and that can Usually come back uh, to the company in uh, five seconds or less, right? Um, like a social media footprint, et cetera, right? See where I'm going? Sure. And I think, you know, most of the companies I work with are, they're aggressive in their marketing, but in a way they're still playing it safe, right? Like uh, there are some uh, um, companies out there doing some, some crazy funny or, or cutting edge or edgy type of content. There could be a risk factor there. Um, but I never want to put my clients or, you know, the companies I work with in that position. Again, I think if we're teaching people and if we have um, the best intentions overall, that's going to work. Uh, of course, almost anybody can get sued these days. I, I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that stop me. Yeah, yeah. No, I guess where I was going with that is more like the selection of the who's going to be on camera for the company. Like, sure. And we've, we did a big uh, a video project several years ago, uh, almost had it complete. And I got an email, you know, from the uh, marketing manager. Hey, Jeff, you know that HR person that's in most of these videos? Well, she resigned and we need to take her out. You know, and it's like, okay, how are we going to, you know, patch these holes? It's the and HR resignation filter in Premiere. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Right. But I mean, that's a, that's a, it's an interesting challenge, I think, for a lot of, especially more mid-sized or smaller manufacturers, because they would look at this and may say, I, I can hear the narrative now. Well, if we're going to do video. We should probably get somebody younger that knows how to do this stuff. And then the, the next thing out of their mind, when was the last time somebody younger stayed with us for any longer than 24 months? Yeah. And then, and then what, you know, and, uh, yeah, so yeah, maybe that's a reason, though, to be making content like Jeff's talking about that isn't really tied to the personality of the person and is more tied to the unicorn pieces of content. Then it doesn't matter if 
Jimmy leaves or Ruth leaves or, or whatever, it's still, you know, you're still happy with the messaging of the, of the piece. You read my mind that, you know, it's almost like the, the more content you have out there with more diverse voices, faces, et cetera, then in a way it doesn't really matter because you could just take out, you know, 10% of your videos of, you know, whoever resigns or, and, and technically, I mean, you, you should always have uh, releases, you know, consult your lawyer releases by each person so that if they do leave the company, I would imagine you still can use those videos again, not a lawyer, but, uh, um, yeah, so I, I again, I, I would just um, I look at the industry experts that are out there that are doing this video content, specifically in manufacturing, and they're just going full steam ahead, right? Um, not to say we shouldn't consider the legalities and some of these other things, of course, but uh, yeah, good good discussion. Oh, yeah, and, and and those legalities need to be managed. And to your point, there's lots of ways to uh, manage them. Um, so I'm at the risk of being the perennial devil's advocate in today's show, it, it kind of flies a bit in the face of the recommendation, though, to be authentic. And I, not that, yes, you could have 100 different people on the videos and all 100 people be authentic. So, yes, that's still not terrible advice. But we, we do see um, uh, some manufacturers, some whom we've had on the show, uh, come to mind who have a, a strong video strategy man an awful lot of times it's really tied to one strong personality too and frankly i think that the authenticity of that personality building an audience over time is in part in the couple of cases that i've been mad thinking of um is in part what drove the success of those initiatives had they tried to shoot the same 100 videos with 100 different people versus the one, I think they've gotten a different result. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we did a, a two-year cycle with Stober Drives. They're based out of Kentucky. And a uh, wonderful company, down-to-earth, hardworking. I mean, I, I always tell people, if I lived near that area, I'd probably work for them just because they're uh, so fantastic. And so we did, you know, of all the, the videos we did over that two-year span, um, I mean, we cycled through people or we, I should say, we included lots of people uh, because we wanted that diversity of voices and, and, and people. So it wasn't just sales or executives or whatever it was. And some of them were, you know, voluntold, right? Hey, you need to be on this video and different things. And one of the skill sets I bring is making people feel comfortable and confident on camera because it's a very awkward experience to be like, all right, say some stuff, go, you know, so we have uh, uh, different ways to make people feel comfortable, not freaking out. And, and that's the beauty of editing, right? We, we uh, only keep the good stuff, make them look amazing. Um, but let's be honest, hardly anybody likes how they look or sound on video. I don't, and most people don't either. So I just get over it. I'm like, well, other people have given me compliments, so maybe they like it more than me. I'm making my videos for them, not for me. So get over it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering, you know, what are you seeing as the next thing, Jeff? Like, you know, where where's video taking you next that uh, it didn't take you before? I think that's a great question. I think there's a, a wide untapped market for e-learning, training, and other types of of uh, content there. Uh, so again, with with micro content, um, you know, there's different platforms out there. We we build e-learning platforms, but there's other options of you know creating this e-learning portal 
both internally, right, for employees, new hires, safety, uh, certifications, other things, as well as your external employees. Uh, you know, we've had great success with with companies that create you know training systems for their products, for their distributors, for their end users, and again, safety setup uh, usage that reduces the amount of uh, incoming customer service calls or clicks or emails, whatever that is. It also helps reduce uh, of, of the, the safety risk, uh, obviously. And then you can even track um, completion rate on different people. So for employees, you could tie bonus or benefits to you know, different um, learning tracks. So, and a lot of that, of course, is more video-based. You can do articles and text, but it's, it's less engaging. So that's where I think is a tremendous untapped, and it's not this glamorous, sexy, hey, TikTok and all this. I think there's some value, and I'm not the the expert on some of those things, but on this education-based marketing and training, that's where I shine, and I think that's where there's some opportunities. Cool. That's really cool. Well, thanks for uh, joining us today. It's been really great to kick this around and uh, um, explore almost the never-ending topic, I would say, of video and marketing. So it's been a pleasure, Jeff. Well, thank you guys for both having me on. I've been uh, having a lot of fun here. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. <laughs>